we were curious to see how um, close the narwhals were getting from um, the icebreakers, because then you consider, well, collision risk. Um, you also consider noise pollution from, from those ships. Hello, my name is Alexandra Mayette, and I would say I'm a marine biologist focusing mainly on marine mammals. Welcome to episode 29 of Below the Tide. My name is Liz and I am your host. If you haven't listened to episodes 27 and 28, I recommend going back and listening to those to get a really great understanding of Alexandra and her research. But also today is kind of like a bonus intro episode to Narwhals. So you really could just hop on into this one and then go back to 27 and 28 to learn about belugas. I think this can be such a great addition to the beluga episodes because narwhals are cousins of the beluga. So we're just going to keep on in this family lineage. Enjoy. If this is your first time listening to Blow the Tide, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Blow the Tide is basically a podcast where I'm trying to make marine science more accessible, more easy to learn by bringing you straight to the source, straight to the marine science experts. I'm giving them a place where they can share their research, share some of their work, share some of their great stories in an easy to understand way. You can follow on social media at Below the Tide Pod for educational resources and updates about the podcast. So I hope you grab a coffee and enjoy this episode. I just started a new position with the Canadian Wildlife Federation. Um, so we're working mostly in the, the Maritimes, so the East Coast um, of Canada. And I think right now there's this big focus on the North Atlantic right whales that are critically endangered um, because they, mostly because they get um, entangles in fishing gears in the summer. So a lot of the crab and lobster fishing gears um, have ropes that are in the water column and it's overlapping with the North Atlantic right whales habitat. So uh, wells get entangled and sometimes it leads to mortality and in the last few years there's been a, a very uh, a large increase of mortalities of North Atlantic right wells um, mostly because of that um, those fisheries um, so yeah so I think there's a big focus on conservation for for the species and part of my role is to assess the risk of fishing gears um, in that um, habitat area of North Atlantic right well. We're trying to focus on other species of well as well because it's not just them that get entangled. We have, you know, blue whale, fin whales, like there's so many porpoise that also overlap with that area. It's cool to just experience like a new area, a new species. Like, you know, sometimes you hear people talking about like, oh, like I start, I started studying this species and then I did that for the rest of my life. And, you know, they're just focusing on one. And I think it's okay. I think it's like amazing that some people are just like so passionate about like one species. But I thought it was cool to just like explore different, like different areas of research, different marine mammals, different you know, different elements. So I did social behaviors of belugas and now I'm doing 
kind of conservation and risk assessment. And um, I did this contract just before my new position where I was looking at narwhal tagging data um, in the Eastern Canadian Arctic. So, you know, like you just like try different little things and, you know, just explore and you learn so much and you can, you know, you can use the knowledge you learn in one area and apply it to a new area. And, and yeah, I think it's very beneficial to, to try different things and, and see different areas. Yeah, for sure. And what was your narwhal tagging project? Yeah. So that was a, a short contract between, um, the end of my master and this position. So um, it was my my old supervisor, actually, <laughs> Nayan Marku, uh, who had the uh, data from tag narwhal. So they tag narwhal in Eclipse Sound. Um, so this is Eastern Arctic. Um, if you know where Baffin Island is, this is kind of a big island in the Arctic. Well, Eclipse Sound is kind of northwest of that. And um, so narwhals um, in the summer, there's kind of a subpopulation that just stayed in Eclipse Sound all summer. Um, and so, so yeah, so in, so from 2016 to 2018, they tagged um, almost like 25 narwhals. And we were interesting um, of how close they get to icebreaker ships. So icebreakers are used in the Arctic to break up the ice and kind of allow the channels to be accessible and open to other boats, um, either for shipping purposes, cargo. Um, they have on Baffin, by Baffin Island, they have a mine there that does a lot of transport of cargo ship from there, the, the iron from that mine. Um, there is also ships that deserve, um, deserve community that need, you know, food and, and stuff like that. So they need to like keep the, the, the area open for, for ships. So the coast, the Canadian coast guard have icebreakers that will travel in the Arctic, mostly like at the end of summer, when, temperature starts to get cold again and ice is forming up again. Um, so they'll like try to clear the ice as long as they can before it gets like too dense and too, too much to do um, over the winter. Um, so we know that there were icebreakers ice um, that were going into Eclipse Sound and it's kind of a very small channel. It's not very big. So we were curious to see how um, close the narwhals were getting from um, the icebreakers because then you consider well collision risk um, you also consider noise pollution from from those ships so like if uh, narwhals are maybe 10 kilometers away they might not have this this high risk of collision but like how much sound do they get like from that icebreaker because we know that sound travels way more underwater than in the air so it may travel kilometers and kilometers um more than than what they would hear in in the air so we uh, we don't know yet how it affects narwhals does it change their behavior does it do they change their direction or where they should be 
uh, or the habitat or their diving behavior. Um, so all of those kind of consequences or impacts, uh, we're not sure yet, but um, so this contract, I was using the, the tag um, data to see how close they are getting to the icebreakers. Okay, maybe we need to do a little bit of an intro into narwhals because I don't know very much about narwhals. I just know, like, for a long time, I thought that they were just mythical creatures. <laughs> um, like, what can you tell us in terms of, like, who narwhals are? Mm-hmm. Just, like, basic overview of the species. Yeah, so, yes, narwhals are the unicorns of the sea. Uh, they are this almost mystical creature. Um uh, so for those who like don't have the image, the, the narwhals is the, the, the whales that have the big tusk that looks kind of a, a unicorn. Um, so it's actually funny because narwhals are cousins with belugas. So they're very close um, related. Um, and I don't know if you saw the in the news a couple of years ago, but one narwhal got lost in the St. Lawrence. And a, a group of beluga kind of adopted him. And it's like, oh, so cute. <laughs> they were like, at, at first they were like, oh, we don't know how they will like interact. Are they going to reject him? Are they going to be aggressive? And then they just like, you just follow them and they kind of accepted him as their own. And, and now it's still there. Like, I know that I think like either this summer or the summer before, like they saw the narwhal again with the group of beluga. and. It's just so cute. <laughs> oh, and how long is their horn usually? Uh, I think it can get up to like, uh, I, I want to say 10 feet, I think. So it's pretty long. Like, it, yeah, it's huge. And so the tusk is actually a tooth. So it's the same, like, it's a tooth that gets like, that grows like outside and it has a lot of like nerves in it. And they did a lot of research on like, why would an animal evolve like a very large tooth like outside? Um, So I think they, there are some like hypotheses of why I think some of them like um, use it for feeding. Some I think use it for like social interaction. I like, because there's so many, um nerves in them like it's kind of a sensory organ um so yeah so so narwhals are very close to belugas uh they're also wow. one of the the whales with teeth so they don't have baleens um and actually in canada we have like 75 percent of narwhals um in the whole world live in canada um so it's it's very specific to the arctic and they spend the whole year there. Um, and, and yeah, they're just also very social. We, we see them in groups. Um, and, and yeah, and the tusk, it's funny. The tusk is only male or mostly males. Females, it's rarely rare. It's not impossible. Like they've seen females with tusk, but it's usually males that have the tusk. And sometimes they saw two tusks coming out so yeah there's some like strange (laughs) things happening there that's crazy and um like do they they spend all their time in the arctic like they're not migrating like are they migrating to other 
places within the Arctic or do they have a certain region that they stay in? Yeah, so um, I mean, for the Nor- like the Canadian narwhals, mm-hmm. uh, most of them in the winter, they, they kind of spend the winter uh, in Baffin Bay. So this is kind of between Baffin Island and Greenland. So, mm-hmm. um, so they all stay there. And then in the summer, they do like this migration, but it's not as big as like the Eastern Beaufort Sea, where it was like from an ocean to another ocean. Um, so they just go into this, like the Arctic archipelago. So it's all those little islands. And then the population kind of subdivides into like smaller ones. So like one stays in Eclipse Sound, which was the one I studied for the, the tag uh, analysis, but like some spend like other times in other areas. And, and then in the winter, they just regroup in Baffin Bay. Okay, so who tagged the narwhals? Were, um, like, how did you know where the boats were relative to the narwhals? Yeah, so who tagged the narwhals? Um, it was different teams in the summer. So from 2016 to 2018, um, actually my friend who told me to contact my master supervisor so they were part of the field team one year. Um, so yeah, it was people from Fishers and Ocean Canada. So including researchers, but also including um, other students that um, were doing projects. And, and um, yeah, it involved kind of a small team. And then um, the for the boats, um, so the large vessel um, anywhere in the world they need to have this kind of GPS on them. So they are called AIS, which is like automated something I system. <laughs> it's basically like a GPS and you can, you can go online and, and look like international shipping and you will see a map of all the ships that have the AIS. And it's crazy. Like, because that includes like icebreakers, but that includes any large cargo ship, uh, any like large cruise ship. Um, so there's a Whoa. lot of different vessel type. Um, so we were able to have the position of the boat um, through this GPS um, that they have on the boat. Um, and then um, when you kind of overlap the position of the narwhal with the position of the boat, you can then calculate the distance well, how close the narwhal is to the boat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. And did you find anything out? Are you still working on that? Yeah. So I'm like finalizing the analysis right now and trying to write this paper as I'm also doing my other job. <laughs> so it's a little bit chaotic right now, but I'm hoping to like have a paper out of, uh, of this. But what I can say right now is that like out of the like 25 novels that were tagged, like I think only two were not in contact with ships. Like, like all the novels that were tagged at some point were in like an interaction with the ship. And that means like getting as close as like eight, five kilometers um, of a ship. Sometimes it was like, uh, like longer or not longer, but uh further than 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 that so 
20 to, to 30 to 40 kilometers. But that's still like, as I said, like we still don't know what the effects are and what, how can that impact? Um, and like, sometimes it was for like hours, for days um, in close like proximity. So like, you like imagine being to like close to like, you know, when you go to like a concert and you're like right next to like the speaker mm-hmm. and you're like, oh my God, like my ears are like ringing. Imagine being like this, but like for days, like maybe you're not like dying from it, but like maybe <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> yeah. And something I'd like to ask everybody is do you see climate change affecting your area of research? Or did you see anything like that when you were in the field? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you're doing research in the Arctic and you're talking about climate change, like the Arctic is like at the front line, front line of climate change. Um, I was just reading yesterday, like since 1979, the Arctic has warmed up for, uh, four more times faster than anywhere else in the globe. Like it's very disproportionate to like, you know, the, the like 1.5 degrees that we hear, like it's already there in the Arctic. Like, um, so, and that means like uh, it, it's affecting sea ice cover. So in the winter, you're supposed to have this permanent sea ice over water. And now it's breaking up earlier in the spring and it's forming later in the fall so you have less time with sea ice and then there's so many species that depend on sea ice polar bears seals I mean so like all the whales as well so you're just disrupting this whole ecosystem um there is the, the increase of like water temperature sometimes in in 2019 when we did the survey there was like a lot of storm activity so increasing of storm activity and that means like a lot of the days we just couldn't fly because there were some high winds or um and then uh belugas are affected by um storms or when they are in the estuary and there are storms they tend to leave so either they go offshore and then they, they leave the area and then it can take up to five days to come back um, to the estuary or they will go upstream uh, kind of in the rivers to get, just try to get protected from the wind from the high waves and stuff like that um, and then I mean there's like the the permafrost that is melting so this is ground that is supposed to be freezing all year long like it's constantly freezing and because of the the warming temperature that ground is melting and then it's releasing a lot of methane which is a green gas a greenhouse gas which like is like increasing again the like climate you know it's all like a feedback loops mm-hmm. and then also that increase um erosions of the the soil um, so that means some communities that are very coastal, um, some of them will have to leave their house or being displaced because the ground will literally like fall under their house. So, so yeah, so when you do research in the Arctic, you see like, you see like direct effect of climate change um, right there. And then you also see like how it affects directly communities and because 
you know, like community either, yeah, like erosion will affect their their house or where they are situated. Um, but when they go hunting, they use a lot of the sea ice to go hunting. But then if the sea ice gets more unstable or is melting faster, then it puts them at risk um, for different um, at different time or they used to be able to read certain elements in the nature or be able to, to see like how the ice or was the characteristics of the ice to see if they were safe or not. And now it's changing so fast that it's like they can't keep up with, um, with the changes and yeah. So it's really sad. <laughs> yeah. And I think news. it's, yeah, well, it's hard also because a lot of people don't get to experience the Arctic and see these things firsthand. And it really ends up being the people who are living there or the the people who go there at certain times of the year, you know, that kind of thing where um, yeah. it's yeah. not, yeah, it's not something everyone sees, but we always hear about, right? Yeah. And like, I don't really, like, I don't assume that I know everything like these people like yeah they live there all year long and they're the one that are experiencing like like I'm complaining about like the storm activity for like two days in my aerial survey but like that's like their whole life that's their whole like traditional way of life and cultural way of life that is affected and that is changing and they have to adapt and yeah sometimes it's really easy for southerners to like come back in the south and you know yeah sit and we're like oh well climate change like it's happening but you know it's not really like directly affecting me so yeah when you come back and you talk to people it's it's a good reminder that it's there and like yeah it's already affecting people and it's already having impacts on on lifestyle (laughs) oh totally Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I feel like I could just keep asking questions forever, but I, I do like once you publish your data on the narwhals, I think we'll have to do an episode where we just like talk about what you found and that kind of thing. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Cause I think that'd be really fun. I think that, um, just like the follow-up would be really cool. Um, yeah. Is there anything that you Want to touch on anything that you it, like want people to know more about that kind of thing? Oh, um, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I've talked about so many things. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, maybe like keep an eye open, like on my Twitter and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I, um, so I, I do post like updates on, on the results of the research. And, mm-hmm. and if you want to take a look at the Canadian Wildlife Federation, it's a, it's an NGO that focuses a lot on conservation of wildlife in Canada. So you can also check that up. It's pretty cool. Perfect. Yeah. I will put all of your information in so that people can follow you and see what you're up to. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. This is actually my last episode of 2022. So just hang tight. I will see you in 2023 with a new episode, with a new scientist, a new topic, all of the above. I hope you have a great new year and I'll see you then.